Finding this podcast magical? Why not toss a coin to your Witches and a Druid podcast through the Acast supporter feature? It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to show your support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Three Witches and a Druid Podcast, a Canadian podcast about paganism in today's modern society. And now, Three Witches and a Druid Podcast presents Second Line Parade.
and welcome back to Three Witches and a Druid. Although tonight we're two witches and a druid. Again. Yes, again. That's how last time but, <laughs> but a different mix-up. Yes. I'm Margo. And I'm Gwen. And I'm Brian. So we are missing Maeve because she is on the road. Uh, and tonight's episode was Gwen's idea. So I'm going to let Gwen explain to you, the lovely audience, uh, what she has planned for us. One of the common feedback themes is, but what do you believe? What do druids believe? What do what do you believe in Wicca? Sort of question. And I guess we talk around it and that sort of thing. But people have like specific questions about beliefs and how the religion is put together. So I've done some workshops with elements of religion and I thought we might just have some sort of lightning round, very quick questions where I'll throw out a question and we'll see what the eclectic wicket would you call would I, you call yourself? I guess. Yeah. Yes, I guess. Uh, Isn't I, that hard? It's so hard to say what do I believe when yeah. I don't even know I know how to how to define yeah. it or yeah. what label to wear. What label I'm, to I'm wear. just I'm Margot. Yeah. <laughs> That's my identifier is Margot. Hodge witchcraft. Yes. Yep. Yes, exactly. So it was a really long time that uh, my wife she identified as a, just eclectic. Mm-hmm. It was no witchcraft. It was no, just eclectic in general. Yeah. Now she's eclectic druid. Eclectic druid. Yeah, but she's still just eclectic. And I'm really looking forward to that future episode where we get to talk to Drum because I have some I have some questions yeah. about ADF and druidry and, and that sort of thing. So let's start with basic layout, eight elements of religion. So things that have to come together or almost always come together to create a religion. And number one is belief system or worldview, a philosophy that explains how your beliefs fit together to make a system so that you understand your place in the universe sort of thing. Community. Religions are, have community. They have central stories and myths. They have rituals. And these are almost always correct. So ethics, emotional experiences, connections with the divine, however however you get to that. Material expression, sort of objects or things that reflect your religion. It could be... Um, statues, paintings, you know, that type of thing, flowers, incense, and sacredness. Some things are considered sacred in certain religions, and some things are considered profane. And they may be the same thing to different religions. They may be the same objects. So we'll just kind of go lightning round. Lightning round. Lightning (laughs) round. So be ready. Spit it out. Beliefs. Let's start with beliefs, because that's the thing we often get questioned on. And, And let's do your answer and how important it is to you with not important being one and very important being five. So you may have... So on a scale a, of one to five? On a scale of one to five, how important is this to your religious practice? You may have a feeling or a, a belief in a certain thing and you hold it very important, or you may have a belief in a certain thing and it's not important to you, right. to your okay. practice, right? Okay, so... Well, I'm going to let Margot go first. We're going to let Margot go first. that way I can, I can base my answer You can think, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... And you're, you're participating in this, too. I, I can participate, too, yeah. I guess. So you have uh, cheat notes. I though. have cheat notes. <laughs> I know the questions ahead here. Let's do under the heading of beliefs. Gods, goddesses, many, few, one, gendered. Are they stereotypes? Are they real beings? Go. (laughs) I think they are energy. We give them 
names and faces and genders according to what we are asking of them. And see, now my brain is going, but really, do you? Is that what you <laughs> really the, believe? That's the hodgepodge part. Yes, it is yeah. the hodgepodge part. I, I think that because I'm very devoted to Persephone, but does that mean I'm not devoted to, you know, any of the other amazing goddesses out there whom I do occasionally reach out for help as well? So I think a part of it is for me as a mere human... We need to be able to categorize and label and understand the things in our lives. So we we find it easier to say, if I need to work on my wisdom and my patience and my strength, then I'm going to cultivate a relationship yeah, with, 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 you know, Athena. Um, if I want to work on my independence and my uh, resourcefulness, then maybe it's Diana. I think the archetypes help us narrow down what our needs and desires are Mm -hmm. and help us channel those questions, those prayers, those spells in that direction to get the result we want. So how you define divinity, very important, not so very important. I think sort of middle. Yeah. Middle, middle. Like Like, 2.5? Yeah. 2.5. 2.5. Like, I know I do tend to think of, you know, different pantheons and different deities for different purposes. I do not know if I truthfully see them as a separate entity from the divine whole. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the divine whole is all intermingled, intermeshed, looking down on me going, oh, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes they shake their heads and sometimes they think, you go, girl. (laughs) And they have my back and they have a shoulder to cry on, Mm -hmm. I think. That's fair. Yeah. So ADF, it's uh, so I'm I'm going to be speaking on my behalf. I don't yes. speak on behalf of other druids. I don't speak on behalf of ADF. But ADF itself is generally polytheist. We believe in many gods, and with that comes the belief that all gods exist in some fashion. A lot of druids will follow a pantheon of some sort, be it Celtic, Welsh. We even have Greek and Roman druids. Uh, We have heathen druids who follow uh, a Norse pantheon. So usually most druids you find or speak to will have a pantheon that they particularly follow. I follow personally a Celtic pantheon. I am a devotee to the Morrigan. I'm a devotee to Lou. I'm a devotee to Bridget. We believe that you could be as devotee to whoever you wish and whoever you don't wish. And, and like you said, you may pull from here and there. Uh, another Celt, uh, god we, uh, me and my wife, follow is uh, Granis. We've just got him before. But for me personally... I don't think that there's a room up in the sky with a bunch of guys sitting around it being like, Brian didn't pay his taxes, so we're going to smite him. Yeah. That's not how this works. <laughs> I am a strong believer that a lot of gods and goddesses are personifications of ideals and concepts that we have in society. Be it war, be it love, be it 
pain, be it healing. And the gods and goddesses are our own personal personification of those things. And along the same idea is the more people who believe in that concept, the stronger that god or goddess may be. Well, so we're pretty close in, I, I think, like, there's there's definite overlap for you guys, except I didn't hear one to five there. Oh, I, I'd say a four. You'd say it's a four. It's not the most important part, but it's definitely a major catalyst for yeah. me personally. Now, lots of, lots of druids, it may be a one. Other yeah. druids, it may be a five. Yeah. So I think, and I... I I identify as a pantheist as opposed to a polytheist. So I, I think as, you know, kind of you alluded to and Margot said that divinity is all around us and it's in all of us and surrounds us and it, you know, binds that universe to, uh, that we're in together that I do not have issue with standing in circle and calling out to a god or goddess because I do believe that they exist because narrow human minds, like we can maybe abstractly understand that pantheistic worldview, but when you're hurt, when you're happy, when you're whatever, we can't really encompass and create relationship with something that's, the ant doesn't have a relationship with the elephant, basically. You know, that overwhelming thing that overshadows you and all of those sorts of things. So I think we we grasp onto things that are important to us and and then we put a face on it and we create it. Yet I think that those those things that have become created because they have enough momentum, they've become this egregore that they then have their own autonomy. They have agency. Like we may have made them out of divinity. We may have carved them out of trying to get a handle on this giant divinity that empowers us but but once that is that they have then become autonomous like I, like they aren't under our control just because we thought them up they're now alive and and they now exist they are things that have existed you can't kill an idea sort of thing right right so i i see a lot of value in addressing divinity in the guise of gods and goddesses but for me it's important to remember that this is just a really narrow out like i i realize that this isn't all there is right. that, mm-hmm. that, that they are part of a greater whole in the same way that we are sort yeah. of thing right and yeah i'm kind of like a three and a half okay. i'm kind of like a three and a half for how important that is so that's one thing that often people question about other things are Afterlife. What do you think happens after you die? That's a big part of religious beliefs, worldviews. I just don't know. And I think, I know it sounds like a huge cop-out. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that because it truly, it does not matter what I believe. It is not going to change what is. Mm -hmm. What is, is not going to be affected by what I think is going to happen. But at the same time, as somebody who has had death touch my life from a very, very early age. I do sometimes think that those people are watching over me from Mm -hmm. somewhere. And so wherever they are or whatever stage of that journey they're in, whether they're still watching over me or whether they've moved on to the next stage of what their life will be, I don't know. 
you said something really funny, but I totally understand where you were coming from before, before we turned the mics on uh, while we were eating. When we were talking about belief in reincarnation, because yeah. I've had many people ask me, so you believe in reincarnation? And my instinct is to say no, but I believe in past lives. So obviously... <laughs> one plus one is I know. two. <laughs> obviously, I do believe in reincarnation. Like, in a way, I do not feel like... I'm here to learn a lesson or that this is one step in a journey and I will move on from here. There's a part of me that feels like, well, maybe it's just because that's how I choose to live my life. I choose to live my life like this is my life. Okay. This is my chance. This is what I'm doing. And I'm going to either embrace it and make the most of it or wallow in a puddle in a corner. And it's up to me to make that decision. But if I have this belief in past lives and uh, journey work and that kind of thing, which I've experienced, then obviously this is not going to be the last time around. Something mm -hmm. else is going to happen after this. And again, going back to that, it doesn't matter what I believe is not going to change what is. I'm just going with it. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, also, so I in think, a one to five, it's a... Yeah. It's a big question mark mm. because on the other hand, I remember talking to somebody else one other time about um, it was someone who was very concerned about ending a pregnancy and how they feel that maybe they had done a disservice to that spirit. And I remember saying at that point, I know I was determined to be here. Mm -hmm. Like there was no stopping me one way or another. I was going to be here. I was coming. I'm here. I feel there's a very definite sense of purposefulness. I don't know if that's a word of me being here. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that purpose is, but I just have a very strong sense that again, perhaps maybe given what I've, the trauma that I've gone through in my life, that I've survived, that I've overcome, th that I'm here by pure stubbornness and determination, that there must be a reason behind that. So whatever this spirit going to experience next, I'm too preoccupied with this journey at the moment to give too, too terribly much thought to that, yeah. I yeah. think. Yeah. I strongly believe in reincarnation. Do you ever see the movie Soul? No. Yeah, the Pixar movie? That's pretty much it. Okay. Yeah. I got to put that. Yeah, it's a very good movie. List. A little bit less mathematical, but it's it's very good. Basically, we live, we mm -hmm. exist, and the goal of living and existing is to experience as much as possible. Be it good, be it negative, be it positive, whatever. That the whole point of life is to experience. And then you pass on, you go to a little waiting area, be it Summerlands, be it heaven, be it whatever you may believe in. And then you start the whole cycle all over again. You come back and you experience a whole new slew of things that you're meant to experience. And as your soul gets older, eventually you don't have to keep coming back and experiencing things because you've already experienced them. Yeah. That, that's what I believe. Now, I, I also believe in, I, and this kind of could have went in the first section, I believe in something called the balance in the sense that every soul is meant to experience everything. And I mean everything. That means 
birthing a child, that means murdering someone. That means that means living poor, that means living rich, that means living in the ocean, that means living on land. Everything. That is the point of a soul is to experience everything possible. And in that balance, that's where you find your way through life. I don't necessarily believe that it pushes you in any direction. I don't believe anything is predetermined. You just sort of come out the other end, hopefully for the better, and then you do it all over again. Right. Yeah. How important to your belief, to your world, to your um, worldview? Similar to Margot in the sense of like, this is the life I've got, so I'm not going to stress too much about that. It's out of my control. So I'd say probably like a two. Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of shifted because I would have said... I would have said like one. It has zero. It has or zero. Mm. It has very little impact. No, 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 no. It's a scale of a one, one to five. There is no zero. There is no zero. <laughs> there is no zero. That's a different story. I'll tell you about that. Why I'm against zeros later. Um, yeah, I I originally would have said very low because it doesn't change my life from day to day. I do not choose to do something or not do something because I may not get to go to the Summerlands or I may not be reincarnated as, I don't know, some somebody with a fabulous life in a fabulous place. Like, more <laughs> fabulous than this, okay? <laughs> but in the next breath, as we're talking about it, I thought, but it is important in the sense that it puts me not just geographically here, but here in time. Mm. And I know, like, I know I'm a point in a long stretch. And as a worldview or a philosophy, it kind of has relevance there. Because I... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <sighs> yeah. It doesn't matter in how I live my life, but it matters that this is just a series of experiences and that there will be more to follow. That's important, too. Right. So I say personally it's a two, but I have a bit of a story. Yeah. This happened actually like a week ago. Uh, I found Atticus was in his room playing and he has this stuffed snake and he calls it greatness. The snake is called greatness. <laughs> And he was doing something. I said, what are you doing, buddy? And he's like, well, greatness uh, wants to die uh, because he wants to come back as a lion. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> what what's happening? Yeah. He's like, yeah, greatness is going to die because he's really hoping to be reincarnated as a lion. And I'm like, 
oh, I didn't realize we just like I knew we discussed that with him yeah. at one point because he's asked, but it's like, oh, that really has uh, had a an effect on him. <laughs> yeah. So we we had a conversation about possibly just doing like a Frankenstein type thing and changing our their minds because the line is right there <laughs> but yeah so yeah my child was under the impression that his uh Stuff. stuffed snake was going to unalive himself in the hopes <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> that he would come back and fly. <laughs> yes yes so i say it's a two but clearly we've discussed this enough in our household <laughs> that it is affecting my well, six-year-old <laughs> well six-year-olds want to know about death yes yes and want to know about what's going to come and and i remember you know having to play the, well, the so-and-sos believe this, and the so-and-sos mm. believe this. And, you know, going through, giving them all the options. And and he said, well, I, I remember my old said, well, I think, I think I would like to believe in reincarnation. I said, oh, okay. Well, I think that it's interesting you say that, because that's one of the things of paganism. You can't really do that. Some druids believe this, and some witches believe that, and some which doesn't mean all of them believe that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's not easy. All right, so one more in beliefs, and this is not quite so specific, but where are you on the scale of who and what we are? We are biological robots in a meaningless universe versus we are some sort of shining beings of light. We are parasites on Mother Earth. <laughs> I don't think we have evolved far enough to be shining beings of light. I think maybe that's what we're working towards or what some of us like to think we're working towards. I do not believe we are there yet. <laughs> um, at the same time, I'm on my way to being partly robotic. I can't wait. <laughs> Getting your new me. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, maybe someday, but we're nowhere even close to that anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and when I say we, I mean all of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I, yeah, I know that there are people that are things that have a belief that there'll be a shift. I think that's more of a new age thought. And yeah. then those shining beings of light are going to leave the rest of us here. Well, look at society in general right now. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, the you're not just selling flame, me on the shining yeah, being of light. The big flaming ball of shit that yes. is the world. <laughs> yeah. Not the shining being of light they think they no. are. No. <laughs> yeah. I think there is meaning, but I don't think we're in a meaningless universe and we're just robots you know, procreating and reproducing ourselves for no whatever. I think there's meaning, but you're right. I don't think, I think we're in the muck of it. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we're still. Yeah, yeah, we're in the primordial ooze. Get out of my brain. That maybe someday, <laughs> That's exactly. Yeah. Someday will someday, become something, yeah. but not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some, I think there definitely are people who are trying to get there and trying to help others to get there. Today in mega churches. No, 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 no. I, th I think that the ratio of people close to the shining light or even being aware that the shining light is a desired place to be is so low to the people who are mindless robots. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Let's go another element. We'll, we'll move on to community. So how... 
is your religion shared with others in your religious community or what is the importance of it? What do you think? What is the importance of community to your religious practice? I think the uh, ex- just the mere existence of community was a huge draw for me when I first found paganism or when paganism first found me. The idea of having community and having other minds that saw the world in a similar way that I did and, and wanted a future of, um, I don't know, individuality maybe like not like I've never been one to conform Mm -hmm. and to see a religion that was accepting of all kinds of different minds and bodies and walks of life and that was really an important thing to me when I first came to paganism it has shifted in and out of importance to me Mm-hmm. over the years but i think i'm coming back around again to how important community is which is one of the reasons i'm here doing this mm-hmm. you know, is to help connect c- community and connect to community as well so i would say for me that's pretty high yeah i yeah. think yeah so for me drew uh community is the number five it's the most yeah. important aspect uh, Druids often function in what's called groves, which are equivalent to a circle or a coven. Our grove has been going for 17 years now. Uh, we're constantly doing community activities. We're doing park cleanups. We're doing fundraisers. We're doing this, that, and the other thing. We have members that are in, have been in the grove for 17 years. I've been a member of ADF for 15 years. So I sit on the mother grove. I hope to be there for a while, so to serve my community in a way. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, community is definitely the most, for me, is the most important part. There are lots of solo practitioner druids, but that's often more so due to location. There's just not other druids around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a weird mix because I'm very introverted and I... I really have a very solitary practice and yet from the very beginning have been involved in all the community building type organizations with the MPGFA on the executive. Dave and I were both, you know, for years on that mm-hmm. and then and then different groups. And I see a value in community because I always felt supported and I guess it's a different word for community, but I always had a, you know, I have a strong base of friends that are very supportive and in this room as well, but I just, I guess I'd be, uh, something would come up and my sister would say to me, oh, well, how do you know them? And I'd go, oh, well, they're pagan. So I don't even think about it mm-hmm. as being community, but you know, you've, we've kind of created this strong group of relationships out of the pagan community. I think that when we work together to accomplish things, things, you know, I'm pretty proud of what the community has done mm-hmm. for others for the environment both inside and outside of the community so there's all of those aspects i think as much as you may be you know your practice might be very solitary and your practice might be you may be very devout and have all of those things but for me if you're not doing and doing usually binds you into community like if you're not enacting that you're falling short in your practice if you're not doing and the byproduct of doing usually is creating community right right 
if you're putting your ideals into action. Those nine noble virtues of the yeah. of the ADF, I don't think you could live up to them without, without community, community being yeah. a byproduct of living a virtuous life. Yeah. So, yeah, as much as my, you know, introverted heart rails at it, yes. I think community is <laughs> a five for me too. So central stories or myths. If you had to pick a story or a myth, what's one of the first stories you would tell an adult? Or, or how about a child? So that's the one area I definitely lack. I don't know enough mythology and myth and stories. That That's definitely my area of weakness. So when you, your devotion at the Morgan, yeah. you are speaking to her as an individual. As oh, a as an individual, yeah. At, but I was thinking you're relating to her as an individual or you're, are you connecting with her storylines? No, no, it, it's straight as an individual. Uh, the story part isn't for me. That's, that's right. Michael, that's Karen. Right. They're better at that than I am. Well, not better. I think things, no, no, things significantly have... better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do you have a... You, you connect with Persephone. Did I that do. Persephone story, that one that we're... I mean, she has lots of stories. She appears all kinds yes. of times. But there's that one Persephone story. I think part of it... Well, I don't think. I know a part of it was to help me accept why we have winter. Mm. I mean, I left Winnipeg for a reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do not do well in winter and I needed to understand why winter is important to make spring and summer stronger. Right. Uh, also, her shadow side spoke to me a lot. Mm -hmm. So... Her story, her myth really helped me not feel like such, I guess, a weirdo outcast screw up, maybe. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, she's a goddess and she had to go through this. Yeah. So if I have to go through this, surely I can survive it. Right. So she's given me strength. She's given me companionship. She's given me understanding and I really think without that I do not know where I would be at right. this point yeah. I, I don't know if there's a psychiatrist on the planet who could have helped me <laughs> without the help that I got from Persephone from Persephone. luckily I've had a few psychiatrists who have understood that and yeah. supported me in that so yeah. I've been very very lucky there yeah. Uh, rather than treating that as part of my pathology, mm -hmm. they've understood that it's part of my healing process and important to the healing process as well. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I find stories really specific to the moment. So I don't know that I have mm. a favorite story because, you know, I think different stories speak to different times of the year or different mm. times in your life I can remember for instance sitting at the table with my niece and she was um, the whole time we're eating she is um, voguing and watching herself in the reflection in the glass at the window behind me <laughs> and oh and she's you know not she's engaging but not really because she's so focused on herself she was quite enamored with her own 
uh, with her own reflection. So I began to tell her the story of Narcissus. Mm. And um, at the end of it, she's like seven, maybe. She looks at me and she goes, when I die, do you think I'll be a pink flower or that pretty purple color? And I was like... Oh boy, we've totally like the yeah. whole point of the story is right over your head, right? Maybe. She's asking the important question. <laughs> She's yes. like, yeah, what color will I be when I become a flower? I'm like, well, maybe don't stare at yourself. Just eat your supper. You know? <laughs> like, stop looking at yourself. But that's it. I, I'm, yeah, I would be that aunt that would tell you some crazy story from mythology rather than say, look at vain little girl, eat your dinner. <laughs> but apparently, not a lot of people appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. Not a lot of people appreciate that. <laughs> okay, rituals. A few questions we could have about ritual. Solitary versus group. What's your favorite? That's a tough one. I do think I prefer small group ritual over solitary. I have been lucky enough to work, have been working with the same group for a very, very long time. And I do feel that I, maybe it's just my focus and concentration and my purpose of being there seems to be stronger in that situation than as a solitary large group ritual ritual is something that I couldn't do on a super regular basis. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy participating. I find it very exhausting, mm -hmm. but also very, it can be very uplifting and very fulfilling at the same time. But I know it's not something that I could do on a, a regular, regular basis. Right. Yeah. It would just, I think it would just wipe me right out. But I do enjoy my small circle ritual. I, that's very important to me. I I personally think I I'm better at larger rituals. The bigger, the better. Don't necessarily enjoy them, but I think I'm good at them. Without mm -hmm. sounding egotistical, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not the magician that Michael Vanderhoek is because he likes to add a lot of pizzazz. Uh, I'm more of a. Have there ever been tutus involved? Yes, <laughs> with Michael. Uh, but uh, I'm. I like to command a presence. I guess I don't think I spend enough time doing my own solo rituals. It's it's definitely a part of my life. I want to slash need to do more often. Uh, and we we have small circle rituals yeah. every month with the grove and those are great they're always great they're always amazing i think for me it depends on it depends on the focus of the ritual so i love the pageantry and the and all the things like you say mike brings to your large rituals for sabbaths mm -hmm. like you go and there's massive amounts of people and there's and there's song and there's dance and there's costuming and, and, and you just get lifted up into a flow of things. So that special occasions, those the eight times of the year, things like that, that can be really a magical experience. And it can be magical whether you're leading it or whether you're just participating. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that going to a concert or something, yeah. you know, you get that crowd sense and it's very uplifting. On ongoing basis, for me, like a very small group, it can push you, it can keep you honest, 
Um, there's all sorts of benefits to that. But I do have a couple of daily practices that are important to me as well. But I don't, even though they're ritualistic, I almost don't even call them a ritual in my mind because I think of it as a group activity, I mm. guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have practices where, whether divinatory, daily divinatory practices, I guess I guess I make a ritual out of housekeeping. I make a ritual out of gardening when I think about it because I'll chant or I'll do things or I'll empower or think about things as I'm doing that. But I don't... I don't consider, for me, that ritualistic experience comes out of being with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, a lot of my morning routines mm -hmm. are rituals. Are rituals, yeah. yeah. My well, I, preparing I, I, to leave the house to go to work, that is a ritual. Mm -hmm. That Without that, I am messed up. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really good point. And when I talk about... Uh, personal ritual. I'm thinking more something dedicated. Yes. Well, you're right. There yeah. are little, like, I have a yeah. little stack of polished stones that I constantly keep balanced. And if they're not balanced, it bothers me. And I reach <laughs> And they're, they're in the washroom and yeah. next to the sink and drip a little bit of water over it every day. And then when Atticus knocks them over, I get them and restack <laughs> them. And, yeah. And that to me, that's, that's my grounding. That's your grounding. That's yeah. your. What value does ritual have in the overall of your religious practice? How important is ritual to it, one to five? So me personally, I'd say a two, but for from the community aspect, I believe it's four or five. I'm thinking four or five. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have said as much before, but I think as we talk about it, I realize that there's some real importance there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Three Witches and a Druid Podcast would like to take a moment to thank our amazing Patreon supporters. Today, we shout out to Danny, Tania, Sarah, Lore, Kay, Linda, Jennifer, and our newest Patreons, Highland Horde and Larry. Without your generous support and contributions, we couldn't bring you this magical content. And we thank you for listening. I guess until next time. Merry, Merry meet. Merry part. And merry meet again. Blessed, Blessed be. be. This has been Three Witches and a Druid Podcast. Thanks for listening. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.